We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. Episode 6, we in the mix, season 2, and we talking hoops. It's your coach Cam, back at it with another one. And I'm dedicating this week to college basketball, because it's my favorite sport. The NBA got the same stories going on. A couple injuries might have down, might have impacted a few things. Uh, but the same storylines with the NBA, Jimmy Butler getting into it with TJ Warren. I get that. Uh, the Lakers is still winning. So the NBA is where it's at. High school hoops is where it's at. It's picking up a little bit. I picked up a new gear. We're going to talk about that. But I wanted to dedicate this, this segment this week to college basketball. I wanted to spend more time talking about college and not really giving you the deep dive into the top 25. Because that's the easy thing to do is to start at team number one and doing a deep dive from one to 25. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick some, some college basketball topics. And that's where we're going to go this week. So if you're not a college basketball fan, if you're strictly an NBA fan, this might not be the episode for you. If you're strictly just a high school fan, this might not be the episode for you. I'm talking to my college basketball hoop heads, my March Madness guys, my college basketball guys. We're going to talk about some college hoops this week. Talk about the Big Ten. Going to talk about the GLIAC, of course. Uh, Talk about some JUCO. So I got a JUCO coach. Uh, interview this week, and, and we, I got a good pie for you this week. Got a good pie for you, but I'm strictly talking college basketball. And the what inspired this week is what happened when I was working at one of my extra jobs, my second job at the airport. And a guy by the name of Bill Raftery came down our lane and had the opportunity to have a conversation with Bill Raftery. And before I even get into the conversation. It took everything in me, right, to not just say man to man or onions. Onions. To most people, he's like, "What are you talking about?" But for people that follow college basketball, you know exactly who Bill Raftery is, and you know exactly the guy that says onions. onions. Buzzer beater in March in the tournament, and it's a crazy. Something crazy happened, and he say that. So it took everything in me not to say onions. But he was covering the Michigan Michigan State game. He had very good things to say about Jawan Howard. Say he really likes what Jawan is doing. He thinks he's a great fit at Michigan, and he will be there for a long time. That's what Bill Raftery thinks. And this is after they got their butts kicked by Michigan State. This was this was after the fact. So at, as I'm talking to him, I let him know, you know, I'm a huge college basketball fan, I'm a former college basketball coach, coaching AU now, got a few things going on. I got a podcast going on. He's like, you know, if you're ever at a game and you see me come up and say hi, and I know there's going to be a time when I come up and I talk to him at a game, but you know, it's all good. 
Uh, but it was cool. It was cool. He had really good things to say. He was covering the Michigan Michigan State game. And we talked, I mean, it wasn't like we talked for an extended period of time. We talked for a couple minutes. But it was just cool. It was just cool to see, have a, co- a, a conversation with one of college basketball's voices of the game. And that was pretty cool. And after that, I'm thinking, man, I should talk more college basketball this podcast. Like I said, I'm not going to give you the deep dive. I'm going to continue on some of the topics I've been talking about and some different topics. I'm going to bring back the home and away segment. I'm going to bring that back. Got five guys from the state of Michigan getting it done in the state of Michigan and five guys that's from here getting it done away. So the first thing I want to start off with um, I want to start off with the game this weekend, the Michigan-Michigan State game last week. And the big thing that I got from this was that Michigan can't win without Isaiah Livers. They just can't. They can't. I mean, Xavier Simpson's really good. Teske gets it done inside. They just can't get it done without Livers. John, John's isn't enough. He's a good player. He's finally, finally getting himself into the rotation. He's not enough. Brooks isn't enough. The Julius isn't enough. They need levers. For Michigan, if they're going to be competitive in the top half of the Big Ten and to be considered or competitive in the top half of the Big Ten this year means you're a top 25 team or just just you're, you're one of the best programs in the country because the top of the Big Ten is heavy. You win the Big Ten this year, you will get a one or two seed. The team that wins the Big Ten, if you win the Big Ten regular season and you go right back and you win the Big Ten tournament, you'll get a number one seed, two at the lowest. Because the Big Ten is loaded this year. Some really good players, really good teams for the Big Ten. But back to the game, it's just Michigan wasn't enough. State had too much for him. And every time Cassis Winston sees Xavier Simpson, he wants to remind Michigan the fact that you offered him before you offered Cassis. Well, not offered. They signed Xavier before they signed Cassius. I don't know if they thought that they might be able to get both of them, but I think that was the turning point where Cassius was just like, hold on, you just signed who? All right, okay. I might want to start reconsidering going to Michigan State because he had both teams, both schools was high on his board. Michigan was high on his board. Bakari Alexander was living on Seven Mile in Wyoming. He was living in their gym. I'm telling you, Michigan was a choice. The moment that they decided to go with Simpson, who was a three-star prospect at the time, made Cassis feel a certain way, and it kind of leaned him toward the Michigan State, in my opinion. And every time he sees Xavier Simpson, he tries to remind Michigan of that. Like, you really could have had this. But you got my mans, so I'm going to go at him crazy. I mean, Cassius Winston was every bit of the college basketball player of the year that he was last year. His numbers aren't too far off. His numbers are about the same. It's just that, you know, with the tragedy he went through, he had a couple down games. And you would think that Cassius Winston didn't put up the numbers that he did last year, but he is. It's just the impact. But in this game, he had 32-9. and Those is NBA numbers. You don't see too many guards in college dropping 32 points and dishing out nine assists. That's not happening every day. It might not happen again this year where a guard does that in a game and Cassius Winston was just cutting them up. He was cutting them up. 
Now I'd like to see what happens the next time they play, if they play them twice. You know, some teams in the Big Ten you don't play twice. But I would like to see what happens the next time because Cassius Winston just – he just got Xavier Simpson number. He's got Xavier Simpson number, and when he sees him, he goes to work. So Michigan State ended up beating Michigan – and Michigan, they've dropped a few conference games. Now, I told you, maybe like a month ago, three, four weeks ago, we were going to find out about Michigan when the conference play starts. We're going to find out about some of the best teams in the Big Ten once conference play starts because you start to see some separation, okay? Another big game I saw this weekend was Michigan and Purdue. And the thing about the Michigan and Purdue game both teams are about even keel. Even without livers, they're about even keel, right? The difference was that Purdue doesn't have the guards that Michigan have. Michigan has better guards than Purdue. However, the inside play from Purdue is much better than Michigan, and that's why Travion Williams, who we'll talk about later in our Home and Away segment, was just flat out going crazy. I mean, 32 and 20 has only happened one time since 1971 where a player at Purdue scores 30 points and gets 20 rebounds but 35 plus points and 20 rebounds net 36 and 20 and they're going back at it man it's your classic Big Ten battle they're going back at it big fella getting a bucket Xavier come down get a bucket Teske get a bucket I mean they were going back and forth back and forth Michigan was able to prevail at home in a it's either either overtime or double overtime and what this game reminded me of was the classic battle of the Big Ten. But it used to be like that all over the country. You used to have battles like that in the Big Ten. You used to have battles like that in the Big East. You used to have battles like that in the ACC. And it's usually not like that. It's just kind of transferring where you got one or two teams that are really top-heavy in the conference and everybody else just kind of fizzles out a little bit. But the Big East used to be like that every Sunday, every Saturday. You will catch Syracuse going at your – I mean – Big-time matchups, and this was a big-time matchup for the Big Ten, and you're going to see a few more of these matchups going forward in the season. And the Big Ten, it is what it is, man. The Big Ten is the best conference in basketball. And Michigan State is right at the top. Michigan State is right at the top. They undefeated still. So who's going to knock off Michigan State? Since they lost to Duke, they didn't run off seven or eight straight. So who's going to knock them off? I, I want... Is it going to be Purdue, who just lost to Michigan, who Michigan State just beat by 15 points? I want to I want to know which team is going to knock off Michigan State because right now they're on a the roll, but I know somebody's going to get them. Maryland, you watch the Maryland game, watch the Ohio State game. Those those are two big games or two potential teams that can give Michigan State problems because they have great inside play, both of those teams. Indiana, that's another team that can give Michigan State problems because they have great inside play. So, Michigan State's at the top of the Big Ten right now. And, like I said, best conference in the country. And we're going to find out who's going to knock off Michigan State, even though they're on the road. So, always like to talk about the Big Ten. Let's talk about the top ten. Let's just talk about the Associated Poll. So, if you, of course you didn't know, the Associated Poll are the best teams in the country, right? Numbers 1 through 10, 1 through 25. Like I said, I'm not going to give you the deep dive on each team on the top 10. I'm just going to, like I said, we talking hoops, man. Who's in the top 10? In case you didn't know who's the top team in the country right now, number one team in the top country is Gonzaga. Number two team in the country is Duke. So Duke, with his early struggles, 
losing to Stephen A. Austin. Oh my goodness, that might, oh, that might be the worst loss in Duke basketball history. Just like the Appalachian State loss to Michigan football is their worst loss in their history. That Stephen A. Austin loss is gonna be probably the worst ever. But for Duke to still be up there, I, I think they still they have one loss in 17 and one or 16 and two. One of, one of the two. But they're number two. Number three is Kansas. I like Kansas. It's just I. It's all, they always let you down. Bill Self always lets you down. He does. He won the title. They beat Memphis. All right. Every other time, he just, he lets you down in the clutch. I'm not a big Bill Self fan because I'm just not. I'm not a big Bill Self fan. He's out paying players. Like, I'm just not a big, I'm not a big fan. And Kansas is always going to let you down. So just remember that in your brackets when you're picking Kansas. And you want to eat their number one seed, number two, and you pick them for the final four, and they lose in the second round to Stephen F. Austin, who beat Duke. So just remember that in March. Not a big Kansas fan. They're number three. Number four is Baylor. Baylor's good, man. They're spread out. They're long. They're athletic. Baylor is good, man. Be on the lookout for Baylor. They got a guard that can absolutely stroke it. That's number four, Auburn. Auburn is a good team to watch in the SEC. I know you think of Auburn as a, as a football powerhouse, but they got they got some good players on their team. They, they're, their backbone is their defense and their depth. They got a rotation of eight or nine guys. They rotate these guys, they 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, they guard all over the place. They're a tough team. Number six is Butler. Butler, Lavelle. As turn, Lavelle Jordan of Michigan fame has turned the corner at Butler. He's got some high-level recruits there. The Scruggs kid, I really like Scruggs. Uh, they, they, got, they got some players there. They got some players there. And Butler is a force to be reckoned with. I think they're in the A-10. No, they're in a big, either Big East or A-10. They're a force to be reckoned with. They're, they're at number six. Number seven is San Diego State. Now, I'm not a huge fan of San Diego State just because of the conference they play in, the Big West. Is it the Big West or... Um, what are those? Mountain West. Uh, the teams out West, just they don't really do it for me. Maybe it's because you don't have the opportunity to see those teams more than you see teams from the, the East and the Midwest. Those teams, out, man, those games come on so late. My goodness. Um, so I'm going to have to check out San Diego State more. It's just that their conference isn't very good, so they're going to run through their conference. But still, they're at, they're at number seven. Number eight is Michigan State. That's deserved. They need to be back up in there. They've won seven straight. Number nine is Oregon. The point guard from Oregon was cutting Michigan up. Oh, my goodness. Eddington, I think it's now. I, for, I can't remember. I got to do a better job at that. But he was tearing Simpson apart when they played. But the Ducks are forced to be to reckon with because they can score. And number 10 coming in is Florida State. Florida State in the ACC, they should be the top one, two, or three team there um, in the ACC. So that's the top 10. At 11 through 15, you got Ohio State, Maryland, Louisville, who was ranked number one in the country at one point, Kentucky, who was a top five team at one point, and Dayton. So these are teams, when you, when you see them on your dial and you see them on ESPN, you need to be watching these teams because they're basically just going to be changing positions. Outside of these 15, you might have a couple teams uh, get up in there. But I, I think the top 15 is pretty solid. And 
you know, these are teams you need to be watching. If you're watching college basketball, you need to be watching these teams. So that's the Associated Press. I'm not going to go 15 through 25. Like I said, I'm not going to give you a huge deep dive. But we are talking hoops, and we are talking college hoops this week. Week number six, we in the mix. We in the mix, baby. Episode six, we talking college hoops. And since I was a college basketball coach, when I do these weekly dives on just college basketball where I just cover college basketball. I'm going to give you some insider tips. I'm going to pull the curtain back. And one of the things I want to pull the curtain back on is scouts. So this week had an opportunity to do a scout. So one of my college buddies called me up. He said, we got a game on Saturday. I think it's like Monday. I had the week off from uh, we were on break. We went to break, had the week off, had some chance to watch some games on Synergy. And if you don't know what Synergy is, Synergy is a program. It's it's not like Huddle or Crossover. It's much more in-depth, way more in-depth. I mean, it costs ten dollars to $15,000 or something crazy like that, some crazy number. But it's extremely effective, especially if you're a college basketball coach. So if you're a college basketball coach at any level and you're not using Synergy, you need to find out what Synergy is. You need to get on it, and you need to start working out and trying to figure out Synergy. But I'm really good with Synergy. So anyway, my buddy calls me up, said, could you do a scout for me? And I'm like, sure. And at first, I was just going to, you know, send him some notes, uh, watch a couple games of his, send him some notes. Yeah, I said, you know what? Let me get into my bag right quick. Let me get into my scout bag. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do a scout like I normally do a scout. And some teams are different. Some teams and levels might do a one-page scout. They might do a two-page scout. And for those of you who don't know what a scout is, a scout is a report on the team that you're about to play. And not just in a, a report on the team a report on the teams they've played, a report on their results, a report on their statistics, a report on their roster, their starting lineups, their guys they're going to bring off the bench, who they're going to play, like very in-depth. Some people, if you're very good at what you're doing and you're, you're tuned in, you're scouts on paper. And I'm not even talking about video scouts. I'm just talking about paper scouts. And I did a paper scout. I didn't do a video scout. I did a paper scout. It's four pages long because that's what I was used to doing. So for those that do really in-depth scouts, if you know what you're doing, you're going to do you're going to have a three, four, five page scout. If you don't know what you're doing and you don't put a huge importance on the team that you're playing, you're going to have a one page scout. I had a college buddy of mine and I'm not going to say what school they at, but they're three and nine in, in the WAC right now. I mean, three and nine in NAA or division, no, division three, three and nine at the bottom of their league. And they do a one-page scout, front to back. And they spend 10 minutes on a scout, and that's it. And you, they wonder why you can't win a league game with a one-page scout. You have to understand the teams in your league. You have to do a deep dive in the teams in your league if you want to be successful. If you don't do a deep dive, if you don't put a huge importance on scout, you better be putting a huge importance on something else that's a, a major advantage for your team. And if you're a college basketball coach and you're not spending time on scouts, I'm not quite sure you, you, you know you know what you're doing, especially a one-page scout front to back. But I digress. So my scout was four pages long. And on my scout, I, I have their roster, their starting lineup. Not only do I have their starting lineup, I have the team that's playing against them matched up to who they're going to match up. So I have point guard is such and such from, from, from this city such and such, this height, this class, such and such, and you guarding them. James, you got him. Tommy, you got him. Mark, you got him. So I'm putting matchups in there. Not only am I doing matchups on my scalp, I'm also 
going through their results. Who have they played the last four games? Are they on a 4-0 win streak? Did they go 2-2? Two two? Have they played all home games? Did they did they win all of their home games? So I have a, a portion of their previous results. I only do the last four games because that's the last two weeks. What have they done recently? What have you done for me lately? That's the portion that I have right there. And you can determine a lot just from the last four teams that they played. If they've won four in a row in each one of those four games, they've, they've scored 85 points per game. Well, that might be something to notice. Hey, guys, they've gone 4-0, scoring 85 points or more. How about we not let them score 80? If we score 80, our chances of win are probably better if they score 85 because they average 90 points a game. So those are kind of things that I pull from the weekly results. So not only do I have that, I have their efficiencies on offense, their efficiencies on defense, their deficiencies on offense, and their deficiencies on defense. So I might say, I might watch the tape, and I notice on their ball screen coverage, there might be one or two guys who hedge a ball screen. There might be one or two guys who soft hedge a ball screen. That kind of means that they don't really have, they have multiple ways that they guard a ball screen. So as you're watching tape and film on games, you need, be, you need to be watching four or five games for a team that you scouted. I think I watched four, three games. I, I didn't have the opportunity to watch four. I got two kids under the age of two, so I just didn't have the time. So I watched about three or four games. And these are the kind of things as you're watching film you want to you want to look for. You want to look for what are they doing on ball screen coverage? What are they doing in transition? What are they doing? What are their tendencies out of a timeout? What are their tendencies when the ball goes underneath out of bounds in the first half? What are their tendencies when the ball goes underneath out of bounds in the clutch? These are things as I'm watching. And as you're watching games, you're taking notes. And after you watch about your third or fourth game, you have enough notes to make a scouting report. So on my scout, my first page usually has their lineup, their matchups to their lineup, their deficiencies, efficiencies, and how we're going to, going to attack those. So if we're playing against a team that like the soft hedge, ball screens, they don't like, you know, their big stay back and their guards can go either over under on the actual screen, then that week, my guards, we're working on soft hedge ball screens. We're working on our shooting. What kind of shots are you going to shoot against soft hedge ball screens? Because the team we're playing on Thursday, they're going to soft hedge. So I like for my guards to shoot the shots that they're going to shoot in the games. So I have that in mind when I'm doing my scouting as I'm watching film. Like, oh, man, they're soft hedging ball screens. Well, what do I need to work on during the week? I'm putting the curtain back for you guys. Some of you coaches might be like, oh, crap. He's like really saying some stuff. That I don't really want them to be. Yeah, if, if you don't know, pick up a pencil, pick up a pad. I'm going in my bag right now. I'm going into my scout bag, my college scout bag. Okay, what you need to be looking for when you're doing a scout. Okay, three things you need to really make sure you're looking at when you're watching a scout. The first thing you need to be looking at offensively, are they a sets team or are they a motion team? If they're a motion team, you need to figure out what that motion is. What's their motion? Is it a ball screen motion? Is it a flex motion? Is it a is a is it a Boston motion? Like what is that motion? What is that? If they're a sets team, what sets do they run effectively? You don't want to be working on a bunch of stuff, guarding a bunch of sets that they don't run effectively. <laughs> Which means you don't want to be working on the stuff they don't score on. You want to be working on the stuff they score on. So when I go in synergy. Right? I told you, I'm, I'm deep diving. I'm in my bag. We're talking college hoops, and I'm talking scouts. I'm in my bag. So when I'm in synergy, the one thing that I want to pull up, I want to pull up half-court offense, 
And I want to go through every set that they've ran effectively that they've scored on throughout the whole season. So now I'm not just looking at four or five games. When I say watching games, I say watch games in full. When I'm on Synergy, I'm watching clips. So I want to, I want to watch every single clip that they scored on in the half court. And what it's going to show you is the stuff that they're effective at running. And those are the things that you want to be working against in practice. And if you're doing a scout and you're not working on these things in practice, what's the point of doing a scout? You might as well be a high school team. Like, that's what high school teams do. They have a scout, but they don't work on it. They don't work on it because you don't have enough time. High school, college, you got time. You got time. You can spend time in the, in the weight room. You can spend time in the field room. And you can spend time on the floor. So you got time in college to say, all right, these are the six things they like to run, and we're going to stop it doing this. And we might have a team of four or five guys working on just those things just so that we're prepared when we get to the game. So here's another thing. When you see these coaches screaming on the sideline and it ain't the head coach and they got a clipboard in their hand and they screaming out, they're screaming out the scout. That's the stuff that they're screaming out. They're screaming out 32 is a dead three. 22 is a driver. Watch out for the baseline screen. They're about to run the same play. They ran four times in a row and scored. Like those are the things that college basketball coaches are screaming. They're screaming things from their scout because we spent the last three or four days on them. And if you ain't spending days on your scout, like I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I encourage my high school coaches to do scouts. Now, it doesn't have to be a four-page scout. You don't even have to put it on paper. For my teams, what I like to do, and this is before I started doing paper scouts, was that I would like to go watch a team, and most high school teams are repetitive. They're going to do the same thing every game, every year. So I know when I watch Coach Flowers play, and we're about to play Henry Ford, if I saw them early in the season, the plays that they ran early in the season are going to be the same plays they run later in the season. And if they run in different plays, trust me, they're not going to be effective. They're going to run the same stuff. Year in, year out, they probably run the same stuff. Now, it might be a little different from now than when I was there before, but I would pick up on those things like, oh, man, they like to run that play. I saw them play against Cass. They ran that play five times. Like, oh, man, they in this 3-2 zone again when they got down 10 points. Chances are when they go down 10, they're going to go to a 3-2. So in my practice, in my mind, I know we need to go against a 3-2 zone and how to break it. And in my mind, we need to go against these three or four sets that I can continually see on tape. Continually see on tape. So high school coaches, scout the teams that you're going to coach against. Scout them. I'm not saying go watch five or six games. Go watch one or two. Notice a few things. And then practice that next week. Work on those few things. What I would like to do, I would pick three sets from four that I was going to see. And we would call it a 4-1, 4-2, and 4-3. And we would defend these sets in practice. And I used to say, guys, when we should run our, our shell drill segment, guys, all right, let's set up in 4-1. And when they're running it during the game, I used to be like, 4-1, they're running it 4-1. This better not work. These are three things that I, for sure, they better not score any one of these three things during the game. And if they do, I'm cussing somebody out. I'm calling a timeout. Meet me here at the half court. I'm cussing somebody out because we worked on this in practice. So that's kind of how scouts go. It's, it's developed for you to work on during practice. It's developed for you to be as prepared to play the opponent as possible. So another thing about the scouts that we like to do, or I have, I have done when I was a college basketball coach, is not only do you want to talk about the team, you want to talk about the individual players and how to stop them. 
So we had different labels that we would call guys. We call a guy a player because he can make plays. He can make the three. He can get to the basket. He might be their best player, highest score. He's a player. Guys that shoot the crap out the ball and that's all they did, they were dead threes. That means that's all they're doing. They're not doing nothing else. They are a dead three. Guys that have taken 150 threes on the year, 150 shots from threes, and 141 of them are threes, yeah, that guy, chances are, ain't shooting a mid-range pull-up. He ain't shooting a floater. He is shooting a three, and you better run him off the line when he's open because if you're not, chances are it might go in. Chances are it might go in. The way you defend a dead three is you run him off the line, and then you live with the consequences out the line. But if you let a dead three get shots, chances are he's going to make more than a few. So you want to you wanna make sure those dead threes don't get those shots off. So you got dead threes. You got must-block-out guys, guys. You got a box-out and hit. You got uh, left-shoulder post guys. You got right-shoulder post guys, guys, who like to score over their right shoulder. So you have whatever your school or whatever you like to do, you have qualifications of what this player likes to do and then how to guard them. There's a lot that goes into scouts. There's a lot. For a college basketball team, you might have a certain amount of games. So in the 30 games or 34 games you're going to play, there might be four coaches and you're splitting up the scouts. You might only have eight scouts on a year or you might have 10 scouts or whatever that number is. But you want to make sure on your scout you have all the information laid on the table so if something goes wrong and the head coach look at you like... Why is number 32 making five threes? You told me on the scout that he wasn't a shooter. He was a driver, and he just make five threes. What's going on? That cannot happen. You have to be fully prepared on your scout. So for my buddy, I gave him my scout. I gave him four pages of information about a team, and then they played a game on Saturday, and they went by 30. I felt bad. They went by 30. I was like, man, my scout wasn't that good. Like I knew my scout was good. That I did, I didn't know it was that good for them to go out and win by 30. But they went out and won by 30, so I felt good about that. So I'm one on all my scouts this year. And scouts are very important to, especially in conference play. Especially in conference play. Because once conference play starts, and that's what January is. Early January is conference play. And if you don't have the proper scouts for your conference play games, it's going to be hard for you to be successful. So if I'm a, if I'm a coach and I'm struggling with conference games, Division One, Division Two, it ain't Division One because Division One you got enough coaches and managers and you got all the information. It ain't Division One. Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI, JUCO. If you're struggling in conference play, look at your scouts. Look at your scouts. Look to how do we how do we prove our team through our scouts. How can we prepare more and be more prepared, spend more time on our scouts? Uh, because that's where if you're struggling in conferences and your scouts, you're doing something wrong. There's, I'm telling you right now, when you lose the game, you go back to the scouts and say, we can't let this team get 12 offensive rebounds. And they get 12 offensive rebounds and you lose the game. It's like, man, we just got to follow our scouts. So a lot of times it happens like that. And the key to win is right there in the scout. Just follow the scout. If you could just follow the scout. So college basketball players, if you have a scout, follow it. Study it. Know it like the back of your hand. Because it's going to help you when you play that team on Saturday. When you play that team on Thursday, it's going to help you. Scouts is where it's at. It's a huge part of college basketball. And Coach Cam is undefeated on his scouts this year, baby. I can't say what happened before. 
It's your coach, you know who's the most, man, just talking about scouting and how scouting plays a huge important on a conference, conference play games and in your program. If you only got a one-page scout, you need to change that. If, if you need my scout template, I can send it to you. Uh, just, just hit me up, man. Hit me up. I'm undefeated, man. I might do some more scouts, but I got enough things on my plate right now. Not sure I can do it. I got a lot of times I'm writing articles for NY2LA Michigan. I just signed a deal. So now you can call me Scout Cam. You can't just call me Coach Cam. You can call me Scout Cam. So when you see me at your games, I'm not going to be the guy with the notebook on my, on my lap taking notes. I already know what I'm looking at when I come to the game. Be taking mental notes, might be on my phone, stuff like that. Just know I'm going to be coming to your games. I'm going to be watching. So NY2LA Michigan is going to be popping. I got the articles going. I wrote my first couple articles already. So we already on the road, man. So we don't have a whole lot of time to do scouts, but I did do a scout this year, and I was successful. So we talked about Division One. We talked about the AP poll, top 25. We always covered the top 15. Now we got to talk about the GLIAC. You know, I love talking about the GLIAC, man. The GLIAC is where it's at. Just started conference play. I want to say they, they're four or five games in the conference play. Fair State is still doing their thing, even though they dropped the contest to Davenport. Davenport caught them slipping at home. Chris Rollison company, the team, that Davenport team is scary. Because they won the GLIAC last year, and they're kind of middle of the pack this year. But when you play them at home, they're a tough team to beat at home. They got a nice facility over there in Grand Rapids. They got a nice facility at Grab at Davenport. So be on the lookout for them. Fair St. was ranked number 11th in the country before they lost there. I'm not sure if they're still at 11. They might fall back a few spots after losing. Grand Valley, they're back up there. They're 12-2 and two star. They're number 18th in the country. Number two in the GLIAC. They're getting great production out of Jeremiah Ferguson, uh, Division One transfer, who's a senior. Uh, Jake Van Tuberken has been playing very well. I mean, they're the same one-two punch duo. And they're hard to beat at home. You play Grand Valley at home. I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle if you play Grand Valley at home. And, and they've been taking care of business so far, so they're number two. That other school I used to coach at is number three. Number four team in the, conf in the conference is Michigan Tech. They're at 10-4. and four. Four and two in the conference. Those first three teams I mentioned are five and one. So they've played, we've played six league contests, and there's 18 games in a league. So we're 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 close to almost halfway there. Uh, and if you can win, if you win 10 games in your conference, you win 10 games in the conference, you got a good chance to make the conference playoffs. And the, and the GLIAC is one of the only Division two conferences where everybody doesn't make the playoffs. I think it's, I think it's silly. A lot of the, the GLIAC coaches think it's silly, but they ain't never gonna change. They like the MHSAA. They ain't never gonna change. They're gonna do it forever. So, Michigan Tech, like I said, will be right there because Cabo Row still getting 20 a game, 20, 24 a game. So, they're going to be right there at 4-2. and two. So, that's the top four teams in the GLIAC. You got Fair State, Grand Valley, that one school I used to coach at in Michigan Tech are your top four schools. The two teams that I'm kind of disappointed at in the GLIAC, Ashland. Ashland started out the year. They were ranked one of the top teams in the country. They have yet to win a league game. So this is how good the GLIAC is. This is how good the GLIAC is. The GLIAC is so good for a team to return their entire starting five, entire starting five from the year before. And that same five is playing. And they cannot win a league game. They go 0-6 to start league play. That means your conference is really good. If you got a team that's ranked and then they end up 
and they can't win a league game, that means the other teams in the conference are pretty good. And Wayne State, I'm... I had high hopes for Wayne State. It would help if they had Darian Owens-White playing. Because Darian Owens-White was 17 a game last year. And it would really help with him and Braylon Neely would probably be the best backcourt in the Midwest if they were playing together. But Darian Owens-White is hurt. And they're playing limited. They're playing limited with guys. They're only playing five or six guys. And here's one thing about the GLIAC. Teams that are at the top of the GLIAC, they have depth. They have more than eight or nine guys that can play, that can be on the floor. If you only got five or six guys getting 35 minutes to 40 minutes a game, at some point it's going to catch up to you. At some point it's going to catch up to you. If you got guys playing 35, 37, 38, 40 minutes a game, it's hard to be effective for 40 minutes. It really, it really is. If you want to be effective, you need to be at 30 minutes a game, 32 minutes a game, 29 minutes a game. You think you're going to be effective on both ends of the floor playing 40 minutes a game? It ain't happening. You're taking the possession off. But that possession in the glee hack is going to cost you a game. And you have more than one guy playing 38 minutes a game. They're all taking one or two possessions off. Those are six to seven possessions that you're just going to lose. Every game you're just going to lose because you got guys playing too many minutes. So in the GLIAC, when you look at Fair State, Fair State, they got nine or ten guys in the rotation. You look at Grand Valley. Grand Valley got eight or nine guys in the rotation. Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech got eight guys in the rotation. So a team like Wayne State, they're only playing six guys. No wonder why they're 1-5 in the GLIAC. No wonder why Ashton is 0-6 in the GLIAC. Their rotation is five guys. They got five guys averaging 36 minutes or more. So you're just not going to be an effective team with guys playing those minutes. And the GLIAC is tough, man. The GLIAC is tough. I just I, I hated to see that Wayne State, they struggle. Hopefully they can turn it around. They had a tough schedule to start. So hopefully they can start playing some of these other teams that aren't very good and get a couple wins. But I didn't like how Ashton uh, dropped their first six games. But it just tells you that the league is very good. So that's the GLIAC. You know, like I said, I always like to cover the GLIAC. And if you don't like it, fast forward. I only talked about it for five or six minutes this week. Uh, but I just like the GLIAC, man. I think the GLIAC is a very good conference. Got some good coaches, some good, very good players. Got some high-level players that easily could be playing in the MAC. The reason why the MAC and the Horizon League, I'm going to be quite honest. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to keep it a buck. The reason why the MAC teams are struggling, some of these guys that are playing in the GLIAC should be playing in the MAC. They should be. They should be playing in the MAC. And I'm going to go to my home and away segment here in, in a few. Um, but there are guys in the GLIAC that wholeheartedly should be playing in the Horizon League and they should be playing in the MAC. and you didn't recruit them and you wonder why they're the top one or two player in the GLIAC. Walter Kelser should not be playing in the GLIAC. I'm just going to keep it a buck. But his only Division one offer was Chicago State. He was an All-American at Schoolcraft. Like he was dynamic in high school. How Chicago State is only offering? This is before the Urban got Lance Urban got there. Because Lance Urban can recruit. He's got some players there. They might not be what I mean, they've been terrible the last five or six years. Only got a few wins. But I mean, he's starting to get some Chicago kids, and he go, he's gonna turn it around if he stays there. But Chicago, Chicago State was his only offer. So, like, no wonder why he ended up in the GLIAC. And he's not the only one. I'm not going to go into you, go into how many guys in the GLIAC should be playing in the MAC. But the reason why the MAC is down is some of these guys need to be depth guys in the MAC. You can't tell me that some of these guys that are playing in the GLIAC shouldn't be playing at Detroit. Detroit is awful. I'm just going to keep it up. 
Detroit is awful. They got one player. One. Granted, that one player is averaging 24 points a game, which is a down year from last year because they have 27. But they got one player. You mean to tell me that Walter Kelser can't be his backup for a year or two, and then when he leaves, he's an all-league player? Yeah, I know, but I digress, and that's why the GLIAC is really good because these guys aren't going to the MAC. They aren't recruiting them. They're going to all these other places getting players instead of recruiting your home state, and you got guys right here that can be playing in your conference. So a lot of those guys are in the GLIAC. But, you know, home and away, man. Home and away, I'm bringing back that, this segment well, we talk about the home and away. So we're going to talk about players that play for local teams, Michigan teams. And then we're going to talk about players that are from here that are getting it done away from the state of Michigan. So we're going to start with home. And these, sometimes they might be Michigan guys. They might be guys from other states. Uh, but these are guys from schools in the state of Michigan, Metro Detroit area. I try to, I try to keep it in the Metro Detroit area, but it's only one, two schools that are Division One in the Metro Detroit area. So I kind of expanded a little bit. So I'm not going to say Metro Detroit area. I'm just going to say the state of Michigan. So I'm going to mention some players from the state of Michigan that are getting it done from Michigan teams. And first on my list is Cassius Winston. Now, I've talked about Cassius before. Cassius is one of the best point guards in the country. He's one of the best point guards to ever play at Michigan State, if not the best. If not the best. Magic only... Magic only played a few years. So Magic was great, but Cass has played four years. Nah, I'm, I'm not going to say Cass is better than Magic. I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not. I'm not doing that. But Cass is one of the top three point guards to ever come out of Michigan State. He's done it for he's done it for three, four years, man. Three or four. Well, I wouldn't say three or four years. But his last two years, this year and last year, has been really good. He had a rush pass, like we talked about earlier in the podcast. But the la- his last three games, his last three games, 32 and 9, 21 and 6, 21 and 7, 7, 7 and 0 his last seven games. Cassius Winston should be on the list for Naismith Player of the Year. He should be on the list. He probably won't be um, because, like I said, he had a rough patch here and there. His brother passed, rest in peace. But he's right there. His numbers, he's averaging around 18 points a game. He was at 19 last year. He's averaging six assists a game. He was at seven last year. And he's he's just a player, man. He knows how to play. They need to play more up-tempo, though. They need to play more up-tempo. And when I said that against Duke, and they played the slow-down style against Duke, and they struggled. I told you, if Michigan State doesn't pick up the tempo, they are going to struggle. And they're going to find a way to let some teams be in and play with them that probably shouldn't be able to play with them only because they don't score enough points. And that's tough for me to see. That's tough for me to watch because I know Michigan State is a really good team. So I I liked how they've picked up the tempo. They're 13-3 and now. And we're just going to look at some of the results from some of their previous games since they've played Duke. I said they need to be in the upper 70s or the 80s to be very competitive. The last game they played yesterday, they played Minnesota. They beat them. They scored 70 points against Minnesota. They scored 87 points against Michigan. They scored 76 points against Illinois. High 70s, low 80s if they want to be effective. Let's look at the games after that. 
They played Western Michigan. They scored 95 on Western Michigan. They scored 101 against Eastern Michigan. They barely beat Northwestern. You want to know why they barely beat Northwestern? They scored 77. They beat Oakland. They scored 72. Now, Oakland, they, they don't have the scores, so I can see why that score was the way it was. They beat Rutgers, 77-65. But they scored 75 points against Duke. They need to be higher 70s. They only scored 75 points against Duke. And since then, they've only had one game where they didn't score 75 points. And that was against Oakland, and they didn't need to score 75. They probably could if they kept their guys in the game. That's the only game where they didn't score 75 points. Every other game, they scored 75 points, and they're 7-0. Now, they beat Minnesota 58-74, so you might as well say that's 75. But they got to up the tempo. They got to try to – they got to score, man. They got to score to be effective. And Cassius Winston – it's the guard that keeps them running, that keeps them going. So my first guy on my home away is Cassius Winston. The second guy on my home and away has just been added to the wooden list who just got tore up by Cassius, but he came right back. And that's the, that's the key for a good player. For you have, not even to have a bad game, for, for somebody to be going at you to cut you up then put 32 and 9 on you and you come right back and you get 22 and 9, that says a lot. And the next guy on my list is Xavier Simpson. He's from Ohio, from Lima. Shout out to Coach Q. And them killers down at Lima because there's some killers down there. I'm not talking about actual killers, but like very good basketball players, some grimy basketball players. He's averaging, you know, 11 points and nine assists on a year. Nine, he's averaging nine assists on a year. That's big time. I mean, you don't see guys averaging 9, 10, 11 assists at the college level because it's hard to do. It's hard for a team. Team goal is 20 assists. Are you going to tell me one guy going to give you 9 or 10? That's hard to do in college, man. It's hard to do in college. He was just added to the wooden list. He's the engine that makes Michigan go. And and re, more recently than at the beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, they've been trying to figure things out. Jawan Howard is trying to figure out how, how they go, who makes them go. Xavier Simpson makes them go. David DeJulius put the pressure on Simpson maybe about a month ago. Because David DeJulius started playing well. And they started to sit Simpson down. But then they realized that we need Simpson on the floor and Julius just isn't quite there yet. He's just a sophomore. He's not quite there yet. Even though he's a good player, he, he's not. He's not. He's not ready to take the Rams. And I think, and, and I'd be willing to bet in their practices that made a big difference in their practices. And Simpson probably picked it up in practice. So you know what? This little young gun ain't about to be coming here still in my minutes. And his production has picked up. And now he's been added to the wooden list. And he came with it with Purdue. He had 22 and 9 against Purdue. They beat them in overtime. And he was a huge key. If you came, if Michigan isn't going to play with livers, somebody has to step up. And Xavier Simpson was the guy that stepped up for the Wolverines. And that's why they were able to get it done. Next on my list, I don't always talk about Division I guys. Sometimes we're we'll going to mix in some NAIA, some D3. A kid, the next kid I want to mention, a hometown guy, plays at Rochester College, NAI school. Armand Cartwright, he's a senior. He is averaging 20 points a game. He went to Bloomfield High School. If you're keeping uh, tabs on what high school they went to, he went to Bloomfield High School. I want to say they went to Breslin. Um, really good player. Really good player for Rochester. Recently, he had 31 points. Uh, January 4th against Cornerstone. He put he put some buckets on Cornerstone. He's averaging, he's averaging 20 points per game, man. He's getting it done. He's getting it done at Rochester traditionally. They're always going to be a, a really, really, really good NAIA team. They've won national titles before. They have. 
and they're probably going to win one in the next couple years or so if, they, if they're not in the mix this year. Uh, Rochester Collins is always a good NAIA program, and Armand Cartwright has been getting it done. He has 1,624 points in his career. I don't care what level you play on. I don't care if you're Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, Juke. I don't care if you play four years somewhere and you score 1,600 points. That's a damn good career. So hats off to Armand Cartwright for being able to score 1,600 points in his career. He has the opportunity to score more. He might get the 1,900. But he's right there for the Rochester College team. I want to say they're 5-3 right now in their league or 6-2, something like that. A really good player for Rochester College. Number three on my list, and I talked about him last time I did this segment, but whenever you drop 40 in college, whenever you drop 40 in college, I got to mention your name. Dwight Burton from Mad from Madonna. I was about to say Madison Heights. That's where I live at. Dwight Burton, Madonna. 44, two days ago. He had 40, I'm sorry, not 44, 42 points. I'm not lying when I say this kid is the best scorer in the country. He is the best scorer in the country. And it shows. It shows because he's getting buckets, man. I'm talking about his last three games, 42. 33, 27. He just gained his third player of the week award for the uh, the Wolverine Hoosier Conference. The WAC is what they like to call it. Dwight Burton can get it done, man. He's a three-level scorer. He's kind of like, he's kind of hardenish, where like he's gonna shoot some threes, he's gonna shoot some mid-range. He's gonna get, he's just a he a big guard, man. I like big guards. I really like big guards. Guard 6'3, 6'4, 220. And could just go out and score. And he wasn't them guys, man. He could just go out and score at 3 0 the last three. And he had 42 this week. So I had to mention Dwight Burton. If you have the opportunity to go watch Madonna right off 96 and uh, Beck Road, I think that is, uh, Burt Road, whatever. Right, right before 275. Takes 96 before 275. Make right. Madonna is right there. You need to go watch Dwight Burton. Next on my list. All right. Number five. So we talked about Cassius Winston. We talked about Dwight Burton. We talked about Armand Cartwright. Talked about Xavier Simpson. The fifth guy on my list is a guy I recruited out of Ohio. Out of Trotwood Madison High School. He's a sophomore at a school I used to coach at. And when I tell you the boy is getting it done, he's getting it done. Miles Ballou is getting it done. He's from Ohio. Like I said, I'm not always going to talk about Michigan guys. Miles Ballou has been putting in work. He scored double figures every single game this year. They've played 14 games. They're 11 and 3. They're on a 5 and 1 start in the GLIAC. And he's been getting it done. His last three games, he's 26, 33, and 32. He was a GLIAC player of the week last week. And for the team that he plays on, for them to be successful, for them to win games, he's got to be 24, 25 a game. He's got to be getting it in. He's got to be giving in. Right now, he's averaging 20 points per game and seven rebounds. If he don't get his 20 and seven, they ain't winning. And he's been getting it. Like I said, he's been in double figures every single game this year. The biggest key for him, he's shooting 48% from the field, and he's shooting 41% from three. So the GLIAC coaches are scratching their heads. How do we guard Miles Ballou? Here's how you guard Miles Ballou, right? 
Here's how you guard Miles Blue. You hope he don't come back to your conference next year. He is a Division One player. Miles Blue, and these are, and this is what I'm talking about, man. When you talk about guys that are playing in the GLIAC that should be Division One players, they should be playing in the MAC. He should be playing in the Horizon League. There's no reason why this kid ain't playing at Miami of Ohio. No reason. His dad played there. No reason why he's not there. And if he played at Miami of Ohio, he'd be in their rotation. If he ain't starting, he's number six or seven coming off the bench. 6'3", 220, a low. He's a low. And the teams in the Gleag are probably like, oh, well, he can't shoot. Well, he's shooting 42% from three. So now you can't back off of him like he Ben Simmons. You got to guard him for real. And he's strong enough to get by you. And he's hitting the floater. And he's hitting you with the spin move. With the, I'm not going to talk about all the stuff we used to work on. I ain't going to tell you the kind of bag we got in. But we used to, we used to, get, into, we used to get into a bag, man. We used to get into a bag. And right now, he's delivering. He's delivering. And if I'm a, if I'm a GLIAC coach, if I, I just hope I ain't got to go through this for four years. Right now, he's a sophomore. And he's every bit a Division I player. He's every bit. He's one of those guys that could play two years in the GLIAC and then go off. He could easily be starting at the University of Detroit. Not even close. Easily be starting at University of Detroit. Easily. And I can name three team, three or four teams in that league that he could be starting for. So this one of them kids, kind of like Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson played Division Three, Bumps up. Plays Division One at Michigan. Sits out. Right? This might be one of them kids that might need to sit out a year and go Division One. So don't tell me I ain't tell you. Miles Ballou is an absolute bucket. He's an absolute bucket. He's a dog. He's going to guard people, and he's getting it done, man. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Miles Ballou not playing in the GLIAC next year. And trust me, I'm not making no phone calls. I'm not the one that's doing it. I'm just telling you the real. I'm giving you the real 100. I'm keeping it a buck. This kid should not be playing in the GLIAC. He should be in the MAC League or the Horizon League, period. So those are my five home guys. Now we're going to talk about away. So guys that are from Michigan... Now, see, my away spot is only for Michigan players because sometimes we tend to forget what some of these guys do when they leave the state of Michigan, even though they're not going to a Michigan school. And I can talk about this every week because we have so many guys that leave the state of Michigan. I'm so mind boggled at that. But when you look at it to traditionally, the good teams that were in the MAC, you look at that Central Michigan team that had the Weber brothers on it, Chris Kamen, those guys, Whitney Robinson, they had guys from Michigan on their roster. Now you go and look at their roster, Illinois, Ohio, Florida, Cali, like it's Michigan players that can get it done, man. When you look at the teams at Western, that was really good. That made the tournament. Where was them guys from? They was from Michigan. They best player right now, Michael Flowers, is from Michigan. Central Michigan, they best player. Leads them in scoring, fortune again. Guess where he's from? Michigan. But they're struggling because they're trying to get guys that don't play from Michigan, ain't from Michigan schools, that's on their roster. So we're going to talk about guys, since y'all let them get away and you want to forget about them, I'm going to tell you one big fella you did not forget about, especially if you watched the game this weekend. His name is Travion Williams, and he's at Purdue. And he's putting in work. Well, at least he put in work against Michigan because, I mean, 32 and 20? 32 and 20. I mean, he was going to work. He was going to work on Michigan like, yeah, this is what you could have got, but you didn't get, Jawan. I know you was a little late, but you couldn't get in on this. 
Big Trey been like that, though. He been like that. And Michigan didn't want to play the game. They didn't want to meet his demands. Whoever was running his camp had some demands. Didn't meet him. Whatever. It's hearsay. Might have some truth to it. Whatever. Ends up at Purdue. Well, from, you know, not a Michigan. Ends up at Purdue. And he's been a very effective player for Purdue this year. And it's, he showed himself this past this past week when he just went to work against Michigan and put 36 and 20 on them. The first time it's happened since 1971, right? Big Trey Williams is first guy on my list on my away squad. Second guy on my list on my away squad is a freshman. He played at Ann Arbor Pioneer High School, and he's at Holy Cross right now. His name is Drew Louder. Now, the team isn't very good. Actually, the team is bad. I mean, Holy Cross is bad. They're really bad. However, Drew Louder is averaging 13 and a half points per game. He put 18 points up on Canisius this year. He had a 24-point game against Maryland, who's ranked number 14th in the country. They're top 15 in the country. And he's had a good year for him as a freshman. And if you can average 13 points per game as a freshman, you're you're doing something. Even though it's a bad team. Even though it's a bad team and the team hasn't been very successful. I think they only won three or four games on the year. But if you can come in, you can be effective as a freshman, and you score 13 points as a freshman, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive, even on a bad team. So shouts out to Drew Lyer and uh, and our pioneer and them guys. He's getting it done. And I and I remember, and here's here's another guy that should have never got the holy. You mean to tell me this kid can't play at Oakland? This kid can't play at UAD. He can't play at Central. I digress. You you get what I'm getting at. He shouldn't be at Holy Cross. Third on my list, Romeo Williams, another freshman playing at the pawn. Now he's not putting up great numbers. He's putting up good numbers. He's eight points per game, five or six rebounds per game, three or four assists per game. The thing that I like from Romeo is he's been shooting 41% from three. And he went to New Haven High School, won a state championship there, was Mr. Basketball. And people scratched their heads when they said, why are you at DePaul? Where DePaul is a top 25 team in the country. They're not top 15 like we talk about. They're a top 25 team in the country. So I can see why you pick a school like DePaul. I mean, uh, they got some players there, man. They got some players. Marquise Jacobs comes off the bench. Marquise Jacobs was committed to go to Kansas. He's at DePaul. He come off the bench. Sometimes he don't even play. Charlie Moore is a go. Charlie Moore was at California. Didn't work out there. Five-star. Ends up back at DePaul. The Chicago guys are starting to figure it out, man. And I talked about this years ago. I got a really good friend of mine, um, Big D, my guy in Chicago. And we used to talk all the time. I used to be like, man, why these Chicago kids ain't staying in the city, staying in the state? They going to Duke. They going to North Carolina. Like, why ain't they staying? He said, they ain't hired the right person, Cam. He said, the moment they hire the right guy on staff, they going to be getting them. And now you're starting to see guys from Chicago at Illinois now. You're starting to see guys from Chicago at DePaul now. And you wonder why these teams are good, because they got them good. Them, They got them. What? The Greeny, Breen, Blood, West Side. What? The Chicago boys are staying in Illinois? Oh, you got a problem. And Romeo Williams, you know he's from Illinois. DePaul is going to be a force to reckon with. So remember this team in March? 
Remember this team in March, and you're picking out your bracket, and it's an 8-9 game, and it's DePaul versus, I don't know, I wouldn't say Butler because Butler is ranked too high, and it's DePaul and Dayton, and it's an 8-9 matchup. Watch that. <laughs> Watch that. DePaul, I wouldn't even say it's an 8-9 match. Well, I would say 8-9 because they're comparable. But, I mean, both of those teams could easily get a higher seed than both eight or nine. But just watch out for DePaul. Romeo wins. He's been a phase of do-it-all guy. He's do-it-all guy. His jump start is starting to get there. Like I said, he's shooting for 41% from three. So his jump start is starting to get there. But he's a do-it-all guy. He's play hard. He's, he's going to get the offensive rebounds. He's going to get some blocks. He's going to run the floor. Like what Romeo Williams is doing at DePaul. He's in the rotation. He's playing well. Fourth on my list, Spencer Littleson. You forgot about this guy. You forgot about him. He was at Rochester Adams. Uh, he went to Duquesne, struggled at Duquesne for a couple years, didn't play very well. Now he's at Toledo. Now he's at Toledo. He's averaging 12 points per game. He shoot 43% from three. And, and most people think, like, man, like, that's not a high percentage. Yes, it is. They moved the, the college three back. So if you're shooting anywhere over 40 in college, you doing really well. And he's shooting 43% for game. He put 21 on Detroit Mercy. He's had 10 games with at least two three-pointers made. I mean, Spencer Linson was always a shooter. Always a shooter. He stayed in Rashad Phillips' gym. He was one of those guys I watched by myself. Brought one of my players up in there, and he shot the leather out of them. I was like, man, huh? I, I, ain't, I ain't scheduling Rochester Adams. I ain't scheduling them because they got this guy Littleson and he's just shooting the cover off the ball. So he's having a good year for Toledo. He's at Toledo now. He's a junior, averaging around 11, 12 points per game. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. If you could average double figures uh, in a season in college, you had, a, you had a pretty good season. Now the guy, the last guy on my away list is another guy. He's playing Division II. He's playing Division II in Florida. He should have never got to Florida. 6'5", 230 pounds, scored over 1,100 points on his career, dropped 44 and 8 this week. So I'm recording this on a Friday. Dropped 44 and 8 this week, like Tuesday or last Saturday. I forget when he did it. 44 and 8. I don't care what level you playing. You dropping 40 on somebody in college? That's work. And Derek Murphy, that's at Florida Tech, that went to Warren Mott, has W-O-R-K work. And you let him get away. You let him go to Florida. He had some GLIAC offers. The GLIAC schools wasn't really calling him. He called me up because I worked him out. Go check the tape. It's on YouTube. I worked him out. Go check out his YouTube workout. It's a pretty good one. We're talking, and I'm like, who's recruiting you? So, oh, yeah, Ferris is on me, a couple teams from the GLIAC, but this two, school from Florida is really showing me some love. I'm like, for real? He like, yeah, man. I mean, the team's right here really playing. I mean, at the time, he was putting up big numbers in high school. He was 28 a game, 27 a game, but it's a small school, Warren Mott, and his jump shot wasn't fully developed, wasn't really there. He's 6'5". He's one of those tweener guys that, like, why wouldn't you want a 6'5 guy that's physical, that's athletic? Why wouldn't you want a guy like that? But they were trying to figure out, can he play in the back? What position is he? Sometimes you just got to take a chance on the guy. Florida Tech took a chance on the guy. And right now he's averaging 23.7 points per game in a Division II school in Florida. School is Florida Tech. He's getting 40 minutes a game. Like I said, the other day he was 44-8, and eight, man. 
scored a thousand, eleven hundred points in his career. We'll probably get to the way he's going. He'll probably get up to about thirteen hundred points for his career. It was a really good Division two career, and he'll probably get up to because right now he's at four hundred rebounds. He'll get to five hundred rebounds. So if you can score a thousand points and grab five hundred rebounds in your career, you're going to be a professional basketball player. You should. You, you you should be able to have the right contacts to be able to get you a contract overseas. If you scored eleven, scored thirteen hundred points and grab five hundred rebounds, and you six five six six, you physical and athletic, you're going to be playing basketball for a little while. Granted that you're your body can take it. And we had a conversation once. He was going to redshirt, and his coaches didn't want him redshirt. He was hurt. His coaches didn't want him to redshirt, and we talked. It's like, Coach Cam, what you know about redshirting? And I was like, well, it all depends on the situation. A medical redshirt, like, what is your coach talking about? He's like, well, my coach want me to play. And I'm like, tell, I'm not, well, I couldn't tell him to tell your coach not to play, but I'm like, take the medical redshirt, man. You don't need to be wasting a year where you injured you play five or six games, now your injury gets worse. You done missed four or five games. Now you're 10 games in. You ain't playing well. When All you could have did is you took the medical red shirt. Took the medical red shirt. If he never took that medical red shirt, he don't have this year where he's averaging 24 points per game, and he probably don't have a degree either. Some of these coaches are greedy. They are. And sometimes they try to get you out the door like, man, come on, play this year so we can get you out the door so we can give your scholarship to somebody else. No, man, you hurt. You don't feel good because you told me, Coach Cam, I don't feel good, hurt. I want to sit. I said, sit, man. I said, don't you come back until you feel 100%. That's exactly what he did. He took a red shirt here, and he's been 23 a game ever since. So shout out to Derek Murphy out of Warren Mott. And that's my away segment. For the year, I mean, not for the year, for this episode this week, it's your coach that knows who's the most. It's your man, Coach Cam or Scout Cam. You can call me that now. <laughs> it's your coach that knows who's the most. We talking who's podcast, Coach Cam. Today we got an exclusive interview from one of the, the, the top teams in Division Two JUCO uh, Schoolcraft College. We got Coach Corey McKendry here. Welcome to the podcast, Corey. What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me, Cam. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. That's awesome. That's awesome. And if you guys don't know the background, uh, Coach McKendry is the head coach at Schoolcraft College right now. They ranked one of the top ten teams in Division II, uh JUCO basketball right now. Team is off to a heck of a run. I uh, wanted to bring Corey on to talk about his team, his experience. And first of all, uh, who are you and how long have you been coaching at Schoolcraft? Yeah, well, my, yeah, my name is Corey McKendry. Uh, I've been at Schoolcraft for six years. Uh, and this is my second year as head coach. I took over from uh, Coach Abe Mishore when he stepped down last year. And, uh, you know, I've got a good group of guys over there just trying to get better every day. No, that's good. So you say you've been at Schoolcraft for how long, Coach? Six years. My sixth okay. year here. Okay, so the first four years you were an assistant, and now you're the head coach. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about your, your background. I know you've been at Schoolcraft. Uh, for six years, so where where you at previously, um, and what's your background? What's your basketball background, or is, or is it just at Schoolcraft? So I started as soon as I I got done playing. I started coaching right away at, at Mahoney Clarenceville High School. Uh, took over the JV program at at eighteen, and I was taking classes at Madonna University, so I was real close. Uh, did that for three years. Took over as a varsity head coach at twenty one and. Uh, had some good teams there. Had a lot of fun until we ran into a buzz saw in 2008, coached by Cam <laughs> Nichols at Renaissance. Oh wow, uh, man! I, re- I remember that team. <laughs> yeah, man, we had a 
we had a battle. There were some good players on the floor that day, no doubt. Um, but so I was there until 2009. Okay. Uh, and then I started coaching uh, back in like, it was right around 2008, 2007, right in there. I started coaching with Reach Legends AAU program. And um, that really helped to kind of shape me as a coach as well, working with mm-hmm. Coach Mark. I mean, Marcus Webster does a great job of, you know, holding kids accountable and, and teaching mm-hmm. the fundamentals discipline and I got to work with a lot of great coaches and great players you know that was back before they had the the shoe association so I mean we were running and all the top tournaments we were able to get kids um because we could go play in a Nike tournament one weekend and then a Adidas tournament the next so Mm -hmm. you know we had a lot of high level players and I got to learn from you know coach Canada and coach Y and and, you know work with one of my best friends Mike Alley and and work with coach Cam and coach G. Russ and you know, we had a lot of fun, and, and we coached a lot of great players, but we really, yeah. you know, got to learn a lot of different styles in those hotel rooms and, and bounce stuff off each other, and I really feel like that helped a lot with my development as a coach, learning some different styles. And then uh, and then from there, I went over in 2009. I became an assistant with Coach Abe at Henry Ford Community College. He was there oh, for okay. uh, right. 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so I was there, and, and we had some talented players and learned a lot about the, the junior college world from coach abe i mean he, he you know really does does a great job with discipline and, and teaching defense for sure i mean he, mm. i learned i didn't i learned that i didn't know a lot about defense once i started coaching with coach abe so um yeah. and then i you know i took a couple years off because i had you know my sons at the time were getting you know i was uh just becoming a lot so i was just kind of focusing on reach and then uh when coach abe took over at Schoolcraft uh, six years ago. I, I came over there with him. So uh, I've been blessed to work with a lot of different coaches, a lot of different styles, and kind of, you know, molded them into my style. And, you know, I, I think without working with those guys, I, you know, it would be a lot harder for me. But it was really a blessing to be able to learn from all those guys. I think that's the one thing that a lot of people downplay from coaching AAU or travel basketball. I like to try to say travel basketball, even though people just say AU. The one thing about coaching – AAU is that a lot of times you're surrounded by some people who can actually coach and you're surrounded by some people who can actually run a program and know what they're doing. And it kind of adds to what you already do. I know a lot of times when I was coaching AAU, I would pick up the brains of some of these other coaches. And even when I'm watching games, I might pick up a set here. I might pick up, you know, a baseline out of bounds here. And I think it kind of helps you, helps mold you as a coach and it keeps you on your toes. So uh, but that's, that's, just, that's just AAU. That's just AAU. Uh, let's talk about this year. Your team is going really well. Only got one loss, one or two losses on the season. Ranked top ten in the country. Uh, tell us about your team this year, how your season's going, and what's your expectations going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have a really nice group of players. I mean, we're 13-1 we're and one right now. And, uh, you know, we just started conference play last week, so just 1-0 in the league. We, uh, you know, played a really tough Henry Ford team, and kind of it was our day that day we played well so we're one and in the league um but um you know we got a a really balanced group of guys i mean i think something that we try to to get them to understand like you know everyone wants to go d1 d2 so my thing is if you get there you better know how to play because you go division one there's 15 division one guys there there's 15 division two guys there and so that's a great feel like with our guys you know we our leading scorer I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think average is like 14 a game. We've got like mm. seven guys averaging over eight points a game. And so mm. 
feel like the way we play, it helps win games, but at the same time, it's also helping them prepare for that next stop where, mm. you know, they're not necessarily going to be the man. I mean, you know, that's just not how it works. It, right. it sounds good in recruiting pitches, but you better know how to play basketball. And so too, yeah. This group has done a great job of they really don't care who scores. I mean, it's kind of cliche to say that, but, I mean, I think we've had eight different leading scores. Um and so because of that, offensively, you know, we've been playing well. The ball has moved pretty well. Um, defensively, we, we've learned. I mean, you know, I think with junior college, it's basically a different team every year. So there's a lot of learning on the fly the first couple months of the season. And we went down to Vincent's Jamboree and played some great competition, played the best player in the country. And so, you know, we learned a lot about ourselves early with our challenging non-conference schedule. And I feel like this group is really starting to come together. Um, we haven't done anything yet, and we talk about that all the time. But I feel mm-hmm. like what's, what it's doing more than anything is setting them up for their next stop. I mean, we want to win championships, and obviously that's why you know we're, we're working so hard. But at the end of the cool. day, the goal is to move players on at junior college. If you're not the moving players up. on, absolutely, then you're, you're not doing it for the right reasons. I mean, they mm-hmm. all our guys are here to move on, and I feel like, most importantly, they're putting themselves in a position to do that by taking part in the transfer and learning how to play basketball the right way. So I'm, 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 I'm proud of our group so far. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's the one thing that people don't really understand about uh, junior college basketball, and that's whether Division One or Division Two, is that everybody has a different route. And everybody has a different route. Like some guys might be able to go to a D1 right out of high school. Some guys might have to spend one year at a junior college. They might spend two years at a junior college. Maybe they go Division One, and then they figure out they got to go Division Two. So a lot of guys have different routes. But the JUCO, I have a little bit more respect for the JUCO route now that I've been coaching college, is that I see a lot of players who, in my mind as a high school coach, always thought you had to go JUCO because you had bad grades. But that's not the case now. You got guys that w- was – placed in a situation where they didn't like a coach or they didn't like a system and they need more exposure or they didn't get enough exposure in high school and now they go JUCO. So now you've got these collection of guys and you're able to, to get a good team and you guys have been doing that this year. So, so tell me, I know you guys have been having a good year so far. You've only played one or two league games. What's your expectations of the year basketball-wise? I know you want your guys to go to the next level, but what kind of expectations do you have? Are you looking forward to, to contend for a conference title? Are you trying to contend for a national title? Like, What are your expectations for this group? Yeah, I mean, we do, we do talk about, you know, expecting to compete for a conference championship every year. Um, we really do try to simplify things. I feel like with social media and highlight films and all that stuff going on, it can be difficult. I mean, our guys mm-hmm. will hear me say all the time, the most difficult thing to do is handle success. I mean, because mm-hmm. someone starts telling you how good you are, and you, that feels good, and you're thinking, all right. And then the team that reads that or sees that works harder than you, and then, well, you know how the basketball guys, you know what happens then. Of so course. we just really try to simplify. I mean, our goals are very high. I mean, you know, we, we it's weird. We don't – some teams set a lot of goals and, and individual goals and team goals. We don't really do that, and, and we just expect to do it by the little steps that come throughout the season. And we talk about mm-hmm. getting a great shot, getting a stop, rebounding, and running. And so you don't necessarily feel like set team goals per se, but you set like daily goals or game goals. We, yeah, I mean, we really try to simplify it and just okay. you know make it so that because if you start thinking about, I mean, we've done it before. I mean, we've 
thought about winning the national championship and lost to a team in, in the district that we had already beat twice by 20 because, you know, they were better than us that day and we weren't mm-hmm. as focused or as hungry as they were. So it's like, mm-hmm. I think those are the lessons that as you go through posting, you're thinking like, man, I, you know, when you start talking about championships, you start talking about national titles in January, all it's really doing is distracting from what you got to do to win on Saturday. You know, or sure. what you got to do to win your matchup. You know, if you're playing mm-hmm. a really good player, hey, you better, you're worried about winning a national championship and he's worried about beating you that day. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, we really try to simplify it and, and not talk about that stuff. I mean, you know, we've been fortunate to be ranked highly, you know, throughout my tenure at Schoolcraft. And one thing we did last year was if anyone was ever talk about rankings, they had to do push ups because mm-hmm. rankings are cool for recruiting and they're cool for their family and, and our program. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it never helps you for a point. So, you know, we just try to, to keep things simple and, and try to get better. And, no, that's that's a great uh, outlook on things, especially trying to keep your, your team humble, especially in the case when you have a really good team and you are ranked. You know, everybody doesn't have the opportunity to be ranked, and you guys are. So one thing that, that we've talked about before, uh, this podcast is the voice of the unheard. Not necessarily the unheard, but the untalked about. So yeah. when you when you watch ESPN and you and you watch you know Fox Sports, they're not necessarily talking about Division One or Two college basketball on the junior college level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to be a voice for these people. I want to be a voice for this level of basketball to actually talk about it. And I want you to talk about some pros and some cons and some myths about junior college basketball from your point of view. The first one is, I think, one that you touched on, and, and it's that it's not just for kids that don't make the grade. I mean, there's a lot of late bloomers. There's, I mean, I can think off the top of my head right now, three of the top players in our conference. One is, is Leon Ayers at Henry Ford, who's a, a heck of a player who's going to Green Bay. Flat out one is Taylor Curry at Mott, who's going to Akron. Mm-hmm. We got a guard named Trey Harvey, who's having a great season for us as well. All mm-hmm. three of those guys are high-level students. Mm-hmm. High level students. They're not all, junior and they college. were all qualifiers out of high school. All yeah, three of those they were all yep. three of them. Now, for what they all saw on different paths to mm-hmm. junior college, and, and they're all at different junior colleges, and they're all using that platform to get to where they're trying to go. And I've got a lot mm-hmm. of respect for those other programs, and they're doing a great job with those guys. And so it's like, I think, like you said, people think like, oh, it's you close to those guys that got in trouble or didn't make. Absolutely not. That's 100% a miss. I mean, there's a lot of guys that do junior college. We had a player uh, my first year at Schoolcraft, that, uh, Lito Boos, who was really successful at Consortium, a little bit undersized, didn't get the recruitment that he was looking for, had a great year for us, and went to Wayne State after one year because he was a good student and he just needed that extra exposure. So, and which stories is, like which that is very all the difficult time. to do. That's not easy to do. Getting a kid to go one year at JUCO to take the proper courses, to be qualified, to go to a four-year school after one year, it's not easy to do. Trust me, I went through the process. But it's to you. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, the, the the other myth I would say, and this is really the basketball as a whole, and I feel like with social media, it helps people understand this. There's mm-hmm. not as big a difference in the levels as people think, whether mm-hmm. it be junior college, NAIA, Division two, even some of the low-level Division ones. I mean, Guards can play everywhere. I'm going to tell you that right now. Like, guards can play. Now, the bigs might be a little bit different the higher up you go, and obviously you get up to the bit and high major, then, yes, the bigs are. That'll be by far the biggest difference. But 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've had our, our battles with NAI schools, D2 schools, and exhibition games, and, and it's competitive, and teams, mm-hmm. both teams get better. And so it's like, I don't, I, you know, junior college, there's a lot of good players in junior college. There's a lot of good coaches in junior college. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is not a low level of basketball. And I think a lot of times, you know, to people that haven't been to those games, I mean, you come watch. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't have to be us. You come watch, you know, Henry Ford and McComb, or yeah. and you see those battles of how physical it is and how tough. And I mean, you're not getting more than two, three dribbles and getting a bucket. The defense is going to be there. They're going to take the charge. They're going. It's a high level of basketball. So I feel yeah. like again, that's something that. And, and honestly, the guy who's done a nice job of that is Juco Advocate on Twitter. Uh, Brandon okay. has done a great job of getting people to to follow the, the guys, the former players, junior college success, and he's done a great job of advocating for junior college kids and, and players. And, and so I think the more that that, that gets out there, that myth kind of gets rubbed away. But, I mean, those two things are, are definitely, you know, myths about junior college. I mean, there, there's a lot of very – I mean, that's, you know, that's just in our league alone. I mean, two of those three guys I just mentioned academically have already signed you one, and there's going to be much mm-hmm. more from our league. I mean, you got – you know, Dewan Seal over at, at McComb, who played for Reese, played for Persia. Yeah. I mean, that's a high-level player. You know, he's for a, sure. You know, and a different. You know, obviously, everyone takes a different path as junior college. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of good players. There's, and for some of the coaches in this, you know, this area and the guys that recruit our league, if mm-hmm. you watch, you know, the players that leave our league tend to have success where they go because they're going through those battles. They're they're playing those college road games and, and it's preparing them for their future success. So Yeah, and when you think about it, when you think about the teams in your league and the coaches that coach these teams, they've been there for a while. There hasn't been a huge turnover from a lot of these coaches in the league. I mean, you look at Mott Smith, has been there for 25 years. You look at McComb, you know, he's been over there for 10 years. You look at, you know, Oakland, he's been there for a while. St. Clair, he's been there for a while. You know, Schoolcraft, you guys have been there for a while. You know, Shepard Henry Ford, he's been there for a while. Do you think that plays a part in how the level of basketball is increasing the conference? Because I'm gonna tell you like this, from my, from my point of view, I think the level of playing in this conference right now is probably as best as it's been in a long time. Because normally, it's, 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 there's a lot of teams that can compete for, and there's a you know a few guys that can play here and there. But there are a lot of very good players in this conference, and I've been telling coaches all year, this is the year to go get you a JUCO kid out of Michigan. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think that reflects a little bit in what our league does with non-league games. I mean, you know, we. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, Henry Ford just went down and played Moberly, who has a great program. Uh, you sure know, did. Took the yeah, I mean, that was a, yep. they were a Final Four team, a D1 JUCO team last year, and, and yeah. it was a war. And, and so it's like, I think that the coaching in our league is very good. I think that the, you know, the, the players know each other a lot of, in a lot of cases. So, you know, that, mm. that always makes it more competitive. But just in general, I, I think players are, are more aware of the fact that it can be a great, you know, a, a great way to get them to where they're trying to go. So more players are staying home at these Michigan junior colleges rather than going away to school because right. they know they're going to get good coaching, they're going to get exposure, they're going to try to get to where they're trying to go. And like you said, I mean, uh, you know, in the East and the West, I mean, there's a lot of players for four-year schools to come see in our conference right now. So, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. I would agree. So. 
So, yeah, Corey, I, I just want to pre- – I know you got practice coming up here soon. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So give us – you know, give our podcast, our listeners, just some ending thoughts, anything that you would like to talk about that's much prevalent to your mind right now as far as recruiting or coaching or JUCO that you want our listeners to know about you and your program or just junior college uh, basketball as we as we wrap this up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, first of all, I would just love – you know, we have a big home game on Saturday against a very good Macomb team at 3 o'clock. Hello. Uh, if you're wondering about, about junior college basketball, I mean, there's a lot of talented players on the floor. It'd be oh, yeah. a great way to come see, you know, what it's all about. I mean, it's going to be physical. It's going to be, you know, two tough teams going at it, and it'll be a fun basketball game and a, and a fun environment, you know. Uh, for our program, you know, I just – I'm really just in a great situation over here. I really feel like, you know, we have a lot of support. Um, from our administration, from our academic team. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a player out there listening and, and you're, you know, not not sure if you're ready to get to that four-year or you might have a few, you know, D1s reach out to you, but you don't really have what, you lot, what you're looking for, uh, junior college can be a great, great tool to get the looks, to get the development. You're going to play against high-level players every single day, and you're going to get better. I mean, you're going to get better. You're going to be pushed. And so, you know, if you're one of those guys listening and you, and you think, like, man, that sounds like something that I could use, definitely give junior college a good look because there's a lot of great players and great coaches out there that can help. Indeed, indeed. What t- now, what time is the game on Saturday? 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock at Schoolcraft on Haggerty Road. So between 7 and 8 miles. There you go. So if you guys are looking for some high-level hoops on Saturday, you got nothing to do. I know it's a snowstorm coming, so you need to get in the gym and get somewhere that's really warm, you've got Schoolcraft playing McComb, 3 o'clock at Schoolcraft. So, Corey, I just want to thank you for coming and joining our podcast today. It's always a pleasure to talk to uh, some good young basketball minds here in the state of Michigan because there's a lot of great coaches at a lot of different levels. So I really appreciate you bringing your, your knowledge and your expertise to my podcast. And good luck on Saturday the rest of the season. And uh, we're going to be watching you guys. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me, and, uh, you know, we love listening to your podcast, doing a great job, so thank you very much. I appreciate that, sir. Okay, well, we'll talk to you soon, Coach. All right, thanks. All right, see ya. So that's it, man. That's my segment. This week we talked a lot of college basketball. I brought back my home and away segment, and it was a good pod. Good pod this week. I appreciate you guys for turning in. I would like to thank... Corey McKendry for coming on my podcast and talk about his his school craft oscillates and their role to a national championship, to a league championship, to a state championship, and the top 10 team that he has over there at Schoolcraft. So I want to thank Corey McKendry for coming on my podcast and dropping some good nuggets, man. That was a great interview. I want to thank him. That's my guy. We've coached together. We've got it in. That's my God. Thanks for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed this week. I know I only centered on college basketball. I could have went way in and dug deeper in my bag, but I wanted to keep it at a little over an hour, hour 15. I didn't want this to be a two-hour podcast where I'm just talking just college basketball. And it easily could have been a two-hour podcast if we did NBA in high school. But I said, you know what? This week I just want to talk about college, and that's exactly what we did. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most, Coach Cam, 
And I'ma holla at you, player. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah.